There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening, all my woods people? I am hanging out in the cold. It's 53 degrees where I'm at and raining. And I'm on the phone with my good friend, my long-lost friend, KC Smith. What's happening, dude? (laughs) Uh, Well, I just got home from work and downed a protein shake, and now I'm sipping kombucha. So, baby, we're just straight up in a... Hippie workout kind of groove right now, man. Yeah, you're a Gila hippie, bro. That's right. That's it, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm a happy Gila hippie. Dang. Let's keep going. Uh, no, <laughs> for real though, um, you're you're uh, you're probably sweating it out right now. I'm guessing. I've heard it's smoking hot back home. Yeah, it got hot. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's crested a hundred yet, so we might get through June without a hundred. That would be cool, man. Um, but this. Like the last couple of days, it's kind of been high nineties, which is what we're more used to this time of year. It's not like it's crazy, but yeah. yesterday I decided to run at four thirty, uh-uh. and I ran on the blacktop. Yeah, and it was terrible. It was like the worst choice of uh, probably the twenty nineteen year so far. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, I got it done, uh, but it was way slower than normal, and I came back. And you know how your body gets into like one of those sweating moods uh-huh. where like you just start to perspirate all over your body and it doesn't stop for an hour. That's yep. what I had going on. Like mm. cold shower, 
air conditioner fan doesn't matter you just keep sweating yeah i mean i literally made the front porch muddy oh because the dirt that was on the front porch um mixed with my sweat it was pretty pretty gross man yeah but that's uh i haven't missed it too much man i'll tell you that (laughs) dude 53 is unreal that's crazy i know it's uh about midday here and it's 53 degrees and it's been raining and like i'm just i'll tell you what man a sweatshirt just don't do it like in that weather even yeah (laughs) it's like no for me for me this time of year i guess i don't know if you know what my body expects it's not like we kind of missed out on all the terrible weather uh this year so far uh because we left right when apparently high 90s started hitting and the humidity and all that which it was yeah, humid it was just low you know upper 80s low 90s when we were there so yeah but uh been been traveling like crazy man i am i'll be frank with you i am whooped right now dude <laughs> i bet i saw your wife posted a picture of your daughter who just sacked out real hard yeah and she said something about vacation's tough y'all or something like that yeah dude she i, I don't know my sleeping situation like i don't i'm a light sleeper anyway so like you put me in a tent i'm gonna not get a great night of sleep probably but i'll get decent sleep you know and then over the course of several days of that and then not to mention like sharing like uh full-size hotel rooms with uh you know kids that roll all over the place on you mm-hmm. i haven't like i haven't had really a, a great night of sleep maybe one great night of sleep the whole time i've been gone this is day 12 and Ooh. uh yeah so i'm i'm a uh, pretty whooped we've been traveling a lot it's crazy it feels like we've done like six to seven hours of vehicle time every day and um and we're still just in oregon so it's like yeah what in the world but we have seen some incredible things man it's been that's cool man how's that uh, new how's that new sleeping pad working out for you oh i'm air mattressing bro are you really oh yeah we're not we're not back country on any of this stuff we're truck oh, camping so you, you haven't been sleeping you don't plan on sleeping on a sleeping pad it's gonna be air mattress the whole way it's bad enough on an air mattress you know what i mean it's oh, I would a, imagine for sure. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, I actually might prefer my pad to an air mattress. To tell you the truth of the matter, really? I, yeah, it's just it seems cooler and not as like. Oh, sometimes with the air mattress, you just end up like falling in a hole, and it's just not good. Not my good. air mattress, I mean, it's just a small like twin. It it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, there's no way to fall in a hole on it. It's pretty That's much. Good. It's like a oversized sleeping pad. Nice. So, I mean, cool. yeah, it's uh, it's done well, no problem. Yeah, I mean, it's well, just the, the fact was, that it's an air mattress. Yeah, the reason I was asking about backcountry is, uh, I just thought maybe you were putting into to play some of the stuff we've been learning on our backcountry podcast no, series. No, sir, um, I have, no. I actually have, yeah, but not uh, not anything that uh, is going to make my life tougher than what it could be. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> uh, no reason to make things tough. On that that's game. right. That's right. So I'm, I'm, uh, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to, uh, sleep on the ground because so-and-so backcountry guests told me that they could do that with pine straw or yeah. something. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I have actually, uh, employed and, um, dispersed the knowledge of putting the next day's clothes in the bottom of the sleeping bag. I think oh. I think that was Jess that told us that. I can't remember, but uh, yeah. yeah. So like you know, to, so therefore, when you get up in the tent in the morning, your clothes are warm that you're putting on. Yeah. You know what I mean, which nice. Honestly, like I don't change clothes a lot. I know it sounds terrible. I don't change clothes a lot when I'm when I'm camping. I mean, I do. I'm fine spending two days or, or so in clothes. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, um, I'm especially planning on going. 
plan on going to the Gila and changing clothes once in nine days. That's, so, I mean, there's that. I've done it. I've, I've I've literally worn the same base layers for eight days before in yeah. British Columbia. So, like when you're in pretty arid country, it's not that bad. I I'll tell you this, man. The Gila is it was hot. It was hot. Was it? Yeah, I was a little bit like. You know what? I feel like that uh, we may need to plan on bringing an extra pair or two of clothes just to make sure that uh, if we start sweating nasty up in them, that we've got the ability to change. Um, yeah. Because it was, and, and I know it's a different time of year, obviously, that time of year it starts to kind of go back into the to the winter cycle, but yeah, um, it was it was pretty warm, man. I was. Uh, Some of my thoughts on that is. Uh, and this is part of what I guess I wanted to ask you about since you got to go to the uh, Gila land was mm-hmm. um, if you bring one change of clothes, since it's so arid, do you think you'll be able to find water or a river somewhere and wash that set of clothes? And by the next morning, they'll be dry. Man, I don't think you so. Don't? But here's here's one reason is like if it's Merino stuff, that stuff seems to hold water mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. Um, and then – the i don't know like i've i I had um i've got like just tennis shoes that i weighed in a lot you know and Mm -hmm. and i'll try to keep like a couple of pair of socks going that are weight like wet wading socks and the rest of them i try to keep dry but like i've had i I, i've got clothes that still aren't dried out that i've been wading in here and there like and i haven't fished a ton and i feel like that like if you say you go and wash your stuff in the in the I mean if you wash it early morning you might be able to get it dry but if you wash it like midday or later like it just seems like that it gets too cold at night that to hmm. to dry stuff out even as arid as it is yeah. so yeah. I would yeah I would definitely be hesitant to to, to uh, rely on that you know what I mean yeah, I got you. Um, but yeah, cool. it, it was it was pretty chilly uh, at night there, but it also like ninety degrees, you know. So yeah, it was pretty warm. Um, well, hey, we're getting a, we're we're jumping something. So cause, so like we wanted to talk about your trip, mm-hmm. uh, and I just because you're doing a lot of awesome things. Yeah, and I want to get to the Gila stuff real bad, but y'all actually went somewhere before you went to the Gila, yeah, in New Mexico, Midland, yeah. Texas. <laughs> 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 yeah, so awesome. <laughs> I love love seeing uh, those oil pumping horses or whatever they call them every every couple acres. Um, Yeah, you from Midland. Midland, Midland. Yeah, Midland or Odessa, one or the other. I'm not sure. Um, Yeah. So anyway, we uh, yeah no we we stayed the first night there, um, but uh, we ended up going the next day and the next morning heading out to Carlsbad Caverns, which was like a big request of my wife. She hadn't been since she was little and she didn't remember much of it, and so. Um, I didn't really want to go cause it's just such a middle of nowhere. Like as far as like it camping is. country and, and, and fishing country, there's not water out there really. And there's, uh, and it's hot, you know? So mm-hmm. we, um, but we did go and I was actually, it was one of the highlights of the trip, man. It was awesome. That's cool. Have you ever been? Yeah, I did. I went when I was, uh, 13 with my grandparents. We made a a trip we went out to canyon texas and watched the play the texas play out there and yeah. then we went to carlsbad and uh carlsbad was bad to the bone dude man. like it's cool it did you is. watch the bats we didn't uh because we had to move on to the gila that night mm. uh, so the, it was like wake up in midland uh go to carlsbad spend a few hours there 
and then get to the Gila that night. So, oh, yeah, gotcha. that's kind of how a lot of our trips have been, man. It's been a lot yeah. of driving. So, yeah, um, yeah, man. Uh, but it was awesome, dude. We spent time. We didn't get to see the bats. Um, you can't actually see them anymore where they like roost or whatever you call it. Um, yeah. Uh, you can't like see that. You have to see them coming out of that natural entrance, and so we didn't. We didn't yeah. get to. But yeah, we man, it was awesome. We got some video, and I'm going to start trying to put some of this stuff together, hopefully for people to see. But we've been moving around so much; uh, it's been tough to find time to even do anything business related, I guess. Um, but yeah, we ended up in the Gila that night, and we had two nights at the Gila. So that night and the next night. So I thought, well, I'll just fish the next day. And from what I understand, it's just a matter of getting a getting a dry fly in front of a a Gila trout on the Gila River, and you can catch one. And that was not the case. Oh. So, you and I haven't talked, so in case the listener's wondering, like, we have totally refrained. I haven't shared any pictures or anything so that you didn't know what was going on. I know that you have caught a brown trout somewhere in the West. (laughs) That's what I know. Yeah, Yeah, I sent you a good teaser there. I had to. (laughs) had to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, you know, the main part point of my trip was a, to just get out with my family for a long trip and just spend some time. And then, uh, I guess a couple of points, but like, um, uh, I wanted to make sure I wanted to like make sure and show people, uh, so we've been budgeting hard on this thing and figuring out everything we've been spending and what we wanted to spend. And we're trying to show like people that, Hey, these are, this is like a viable option for a vacation. Uh, you may even spend less money than most other typical vacations. And yeah, you might be tired at the end of it, but like any, like at any point from anywhere in the, in the U S you can kind of do a similar thing. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be 28 days or whatever we're going for, but like it can be seven, it can be four, whatever. Like there are places to go see cool things within, you know, 10 hours of most people. So anyway, that was a big point of it. And then the, the. So, like, the path that we're taking is basically uh, to go see national parks along the way, and, and that's kind of our purpose along the path. And then also, like, to have – I'm trying to obviously fit in as many native trout as possible. So, I know that's, mm-hmm. like, such a stupid thing for probably a bunch of our listeners, that, especially, like, deer hunters and stuff. But that's just something I'm interested in. I like the wild and native um, nature of some of these, like, real small trout across the West. So, Anyway, the Gila trout is one of those trout that's wild and native and uh, lives there in the Gila. And I, I got to go up into basically the middle of the, the Gila wilderness. And so I sent you some stuff uh, we talked about on the last podcast. So I wasn't too far from where we might even be hunting. Uh, but, but um, you know, the, it, was, it was crazy, man. It just doesn't look like elk habitat hardly, you know. It's just crazy yeah. how it looks. And I tried to get some decent video and stuff for you to kind of see what it looked like in certain areas so that you could apply that to the map scouting by because i know you one thing you expressed to me that you were wondering is like man when i look at this on an aerial like is that like you know tiny little you know cedars or whatever it might be juniper or whatever or is that like you know taller pines or what does that look like you know what i mean so (laughs) i uh i wanted to try to like say okay well here this is on the map and here's what it looks like in person so now you can take that and apply it somewhere else you know whatever so yeah it's kind of my purpose there but uh yeah we i chased the gila trout um the next day and man there was like no bug life uh hardly there was like not ants on the ground hardly um and 
I fished the East Fork, which is kind of where you we stayed. You said ants, not pants, right? Pants, uh, pants were there, but ants were. <laughs> pants look great. Um, so <laughs> there was it was super dusty too. Like we we honestly like we had to try to figure out a way. There was no picnic uh, or no table at our campground or whatever. So yeah, um, we had to like set stuff on the tailgate as we got into the truck. You know, it was a disaster because it was so dusty. If you set anything down, it was like the rest of your trip you're gonna have a dusted whatever. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, I chased that. I chased the Gila on the, the East Fork, just right, right near the confluence with the the main stem, I guess, or the West Fork, whatever, uh, where it kind of creates the Gila, and and it was tough, dude. I couldn't find yeah. like any, like I wasn't getting rises or anything. So like I kind of took off like a couple hundred yards uh, late in the morning, and I come back. Uh, I had a couple of rises on like a uh, big grass a big hopper pattern you know but like nothing came after it just looked at it saw like two and so i was like man this is tough so i come back and jet has had my my little blue net you know mm-hmm. he netted like a 12 inch gila trout how do you do that <laughs> i don't know dude he's like a savant with the net somehow like he caught he was catching blue crabs like there was dads walking around the beach a few years ago in South Carolina when we were there, and they couldn't catch them, and he was just netting them up everywhere, blue crabs, you know. Like, I don't know what his deal is with that net, but he can catch anything. And he caught a, like, legit adult Gila trout in the net. And so at this point, I'm like, I am a, a terrible fly fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, later that afternoon, we went to the Gila Cliff Dwellings, which was the heart, kind of the heart of the Gila there and uh, yeah. the wilderness area. And that was really cool, man. We got to see, you know, where people, I guess, seven or 800 years ago had built, uh, you know, stone houses into the, into the caves in the wall. It was, it was pretty cool, man. We all walked up there and it's kind of nervous, uh, times with a three-year-old and a seven-year-old running around on the edge of a cliff, you know, but, yeah, um, it was, it was good, man. It's cool to see. And then, so, Anyway, we finally came back, got back in the in the truck, and man, it was remote. Dude. Like this is the Gila Cliff Dwellings are like at the end of like a thirty-five mile or thirty-seven mile road. It's dead. Yeah, dead it's like a road it. that like juts into the wilderness area, and they like keep it not wilderness just so this road can go way up in there. Yeah, like it's kind of like you. Not only are you, you're like in the remote of remotes at that point in time because yeah. you're like not only are you in a wilderness but you're actually going into it a long ways yeah like these people and that that like work the visitor center and stuff they have to like stay in government housing near there because yeah their commute just just through like that 37 mile stretch of road is you know would be an hour and a half or two hours and then, then there's you have to get to a city after you hit the next road. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. ridiculous. So yeah. But anyway, uh, when we got back to the the parking lot, we kind of ate lunch and stuff, and then we went back down, and we were headed down the West Fork of the Gila, which I think there's like a stamp that I got that's like a free stamp, and I think that it's like a uh, I think the West Fork is like the heart of like it's where they stock the the Gila trout. It's like where they want you know, that like native range to really proliferate and be, you know, it's, it's where the most pure strain is, I guess, or whatever. Mm. And that's just my guess from this whole uh, trout stamp. And then I heard they had put some in the Creek recently and stuff. And so 
uh, we're like driving around this thing and, and I see this little pullover and I'm like, Hey, just let me stop and just look at the Creek real quick. So I stop, I get out, I look down, uh, this Creek and this little, like, I guess you could call it a Canyon section and I see a big hole down there. And so I end up, uh, telling my wife, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go down there and try to catch one in this hole and then I'll be right back. And so they just all stayed in the truck. Kids are watching a little movie on their DVD player. And I go down there and I tie a hopper on and there's this nice little hole where this tree is falling in. And uh, I throw a hopper in the back of the pool first a couple times, let it float, nothing. Then I throw it in the front where I think I'm really going to get a bite. And this like 13, maybe 14 inch Gila trout just rises up real slow. Like it's, it's crystal clear blue. And he Ooh. rises up and just smashes the hopper. And I caught him and I had to run up there. I put him in my net and still had him attached to the to the uh um hopper you know which is probably not mm-hmm. great practice but um it was the, the one gila trout i had caught so i didn't feel too bad about it um and i just put him in my net put him in shallow water and i was like i was like you know he's fully submerged so he should be good i'm just gonna leave him here and run back like 50 yards and wave my wife tell her to come back so i did when i got back he was still there just chilling you know and so, anyway, we got some video. I forgot to get a picture of him other than a cell phone picture of him in the net. And so, don't have a picture of him, but I got video of him released and everything. My wife helped me do that. So, pretty Sweet. cool. That was, like, a big one that I wanted to knock off because you just don't pass by the Gila. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you, sure. You know, you can pass by, like, somewhere in California and, you know, whatever, catch a Lahontan or something like that. But, like, yeah, it's just it's different. So, I wanted to get How that done. How much is it? How much do they look like those Apache trout? A lot, dude. Yeah. A lot. Like, I've wondered, I've wondered, like, I was wondering after I caught it, I was like, how, you know, like, what is it that makes these things distinct from an Apache, you know, like, other than just a big mountain range or something, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy how much they look alike, so, but it was such a pretty fish, man. I was really excited. It was the only one I caught, so then we moved on from there cool. uh, i don't know if you had any other questions about the gila while we're sitting here talking about it but uh well did you see any snow anywhere at all no no snow yeah. no elk no deer uh we did see turkeys <laughs> and a bobcat yeah yeah, yeah. those turkeys are a hundred dollars a piece yeah well only if you only if you kill them <laughs> that's true <laughs> they are yeah they're pretty cheap when you take pictures of them so yeah anyway that's true uh after that yeah dude we went to, we left there and we went to the petrified national park which is cool it's the it's like one in the same kind of with the painted desert uh and that was really neat got some pictures there kind of passed through there pretty quick overall and then uh went on uh i don't know we stayed in flagstaff somewhere in there um arizona which is a really cool town and then went to the Grand Canyon. So that was kind of another big thing we wanted to hit, you know. And, and uh, it, was, it was cool, man. Pictures. The one thing I noticed on all these things is pictures just can't do them justice, man. Yeah. Like, you have to go see this stuff if you're listening yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen pictures. It looks pretty cool, whatever. No, it's not. It's not the same unless you go, you go to it, man. So this is something I wanted to ask you about the Grand Canyon. Do you go and see the grand canyon or do you go experience the grand canyon um you go we went and saw it but we're going to go back and experience it i think okay i mean well, how, what's the difference so okay so this is something we ran into in uh not yosem yellowstone last year 
is yeah when you go to like the really big national parks like the heavy hitters the grand canyon the yosemite probably i haven't been there but the yellowstone those kind of ones that you've heard about um they're like there's more foreign people there from all over i mean germany um you know asian cultures um all these like you know eastern european countries it seems Mm -hmm. like I mean, there's like more of them than there are Americans at these parks sometimes. I, I honestly feel like that. That's the case. Yeah. And so um, it's kind of, it kind of becomes a circus, man. I mean, we were there in the middle of the week and there's just people yelling all different languages at all different times and kids running everywhere and, you know, people doing stupid stuff and blowing smoke in your face as you pass by and just all this, you know, it's just not the experience that I want exactly. So you go and you see it just like we did last year. Yellowstone. We went and we saw all the geysers. We saw the, the pools, you know, and, and all the bison and everything. And then if I go back to Yellowstone, it will be to go backcountry camping and experience it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but honestly, the traffic was so horrendous that, um, you know, I don't know if I'll go back to Yellowstone. I may go around Yellowstone somewhere, but um, yeah, that's kind of the the difference. So, like the Grand Canyon, we went and saw it, and it was incredible. We stopped a few times, you know, got got our visitor center things out of the way, touristy kind of things, and then uh, my wife and I decided we want to go back and do a float trip down the Colorado through the canyon. So, Ooh, don't you have to apply for that? Um, I mean, it's, we're not going to DIY it or anything. I think it would be like a guided trip essentially. Oh, okay. I mean, so cause I don't have a boat trip. that'll go through a Colorado river in the grand Canyon yeah, really. So, um, the guides kind of already have their clientele lined up and yeah. that, that's your application. I believe I so. Yeah. I believe that's how it works. Cool. So anyway, that's kind of the, you should, the plan. uh, you should start in, um, in, uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, and then just do the whole thing. <laughs> that sounds like uh, more than 28 days worth of <laughs> floating. <laughs> sounds like it a lot. Yeah, that'd be cool. But anyway, that's kind of the difference there. And we uh, we left Grand Canyon. And, man, I'm, I'm just – it's like we're day 12, so I've forgotten a lot of details. But we left there, and we went uh, through Death Valley at some point. I don't remember if it was Ooh. that day, later that day or not. Dirty. Dude, honestly – Death Valley was, I was completely surprised at how awesome it was, dude. Yeah. Like, when I think, when I thought of Death Valley prior, it was like, dude, we're going to have to freaking go through this hot place, have nowhere to stop. Hopefully, we don't run out of gas, you know, like, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be 115 degrees or whatever. And it was, it was like, it blew my mind how awesome it was. I mean, there was, it was cool to be at 250 feet below sea level and see the salt flats and in you know no plant life on the landscape hardly and and that kind of thing it was 103 when we were there so it was pretty hot but it was different kind of 103 than it is back where you're at and uh, yeah um and then but you know like as you come up out this park is huge man and as you come up out of it like you're coming into like four thousand foot desert where it's like 80 83 degrees whatever and feels great outside and there's like fighter jets flying around like a hundred feet off the ground blowing your hair back dude it's like it was insane dude joshua trees um all kinds of different just cool rocks and cactus and everything i mean it was it was neat man and it felt real comfortable and good and the views were incredible man 
So what's a, is a Joshua tree kind of like a yucca? That's a tree. Yeah, it is. It looks a lot like a yucca, but I uh, I don't know if it, it is if it is a yucca or not because there are some yeah. yuccas that grow like really tall that aren't Joshua trees, I believe. So yeah. Anyway, but yeah, dude, it's it's a lot like a yucca, and I got. I'm going to go ahead and spill the beans on this. I was taking a time lapse of a Joshua tree and um, I kind of framed it up on the right third or whatever and had like some clouds in the background, just like a couple little clouds. And um, we're sitting there and I'm running this thing for like 10 minutes and then we're going to roll. And a fighter jet flies, like comes smoking through right over the top of us. Jet was napping and it woke him up inside the truck. Oh, I mean, that's how loud this thing was. And we go back and look at the time lapse, and I've got two pictures with that fighter jet in the time lapse. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Dude, cool, probably like top one or two coolest pictures I've ever taken, you know, like Dang. just insane. So, and, and he's he's definitely small uh, back in there, in there, but like you can definitely tell it's a fighter jet, like especially if you zoom in. I mean, you, yeah. it looks, looks just like a, a jet, you know, like a little toy jet coming through. Whatever. It was so cool, dude. So it is cool. Anyway, we, uh, I guess we didn't do Death Valley on the same day as Grand Canyon. Uh, I can't remember. I'm not going to think about it too hard. But um, so as we come out of Death Valley, we were going to stay in, um, and we may have done it on the same day, but we were going to stay in Eastern California and we had booked a campground, Craig's campground. It was awesome, dude. Um, but like as we're coming in, we come in to California and we like end up in the first town we're in is like the, the gateway to Mount Whitney, which is the lar- I think it's the tallest mountain in the lower 48. Uh, it's oh, like really? 14, six or something like that. I think that's in California. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So big, huge mountains. The Sierra Nevada's impressed me thoroughly as well. Like I was, yeah. I was thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to be this small range that, like, we can see pretty much most of it from the road coming into eastern California, and then it'll peter out or whatever. And, dude, we drove for miles and miles and miles the next day before we stopped seeing snow-capped mountains. I mean, it was insane, dude. But uh, hmm. anyway, as we came in, we were like, we I don't know, we got to where, we're like, we were going to turn off and head down, like, 15-minute road to our campground. And I um, I was like, oh, man, I'd done some research. I was trying to catch a Lahontan cutthroat in that area and i was like this uh east i think it was the east fork of the walker river it was like they they this is they're supposed to have them in here so i was like okay cool it's in their native range according to california's website or whatever and so i thought well i'll just go in there and see if i can catch one so we kind of took a right instead of a left and i drove like 10 minutes and i found a pull off and i look at the river and it is raging like i mean it's not muddy but it's high man and it's flowing yeah and so yeah yeah and so i like get my family and sneak through this brush or whatever and i put on like i had a grasshopper or a hopper dropper kind of rig or whatever and so i try to toss it in this little like uh it bends right in front of me and so there's like a little dead spot a little eddy right up against the bank and it looks pretty deep so uh i mean this thing is like four square feet it looks like and so i drop i try to drop it in there get hung so i have to like move up a little bit and i get it unhung and then I get a like new little spot of that that pull to drop it in, drop it in there. It floats around and goes under. And I set the hook and I'm like, dude, I think I've got a Lahontan cutthroat. You know, like it starts. I see it like take off. I'm like, man, it feels like a pretty good one too. You know, I was expecting a small fish because usually native fish are pretty small. And mm-hmm. um, the fi- the river wasn't huge. It was decent size. And so um, 
it takes off and gets out in the current and it's like strip and drag, you know, and, um, I'm like, man, it feels pretty good, but I think it's just mostly current, you know, but maybe 12, 13 inch fish. And so it like goes up and in the middle of the river, there's this hump that, um, you can see, uh, like a gravel bar almost. And it like go, it's heading towards that. And it like comes up and rolls and I'm like, holy cow, this thing is huge. And it rolls up, it goes on the back side of this little hump and it's just sitting in that slack water, you know, as the water like shoots over the top of it. And it's, it's so shallow there that it's like the tail is still coming out. Long story short, I fight this fish for, I think over 10 minutes, uh, because mainly because of the current, uh, and I, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't go downstream because it was just thick willows, yeah. uh, and deep. And I'm like, I took my shoes off while it was sitting out there just in that dead water and like got in like up to my crotch almost and in the hole that I caught the fish in you know and I fought this thing for 10 minutes I finally I finally I'm like okay well I gotta just pull him in I mean he's whooped it's just a matter of like every time this slab fish like turns left or right he's fighting me full with the current you know so I just start pulling pretty hard and get him get him in into the net and it's the biggest trout I've ever caught on a fly rod really oh yeah it was and it was a brown and i figured that out about halfway through the fight when i got a better look at him but um he's ever been at 22 inches dude and just it ain't like it ain't like 22 inch like slender head you know what i mean like this dude i'll see i'm gonna post pictures soon now that i'm we're talking about it and now that i've told you but dude just a fat shoulders man just oh it was i was i was shaking dude like you would have thought i just shot a deer i mean i'm dead (laughs) serious i was shaking so hard because i fought him for like 10 minutes and i'm just thinking the whole time please don't get off please don't get off and the cool thing about it is it's all on camera because because i i hooked him on like the third cast so my you know usually like after like five casts my family starts playing around and they don't pay attention to me you know or whatever yeah and sure. so there was actually video of it i got a gopro hook set and everything you know like it was it's gonna be a cool little video man and nice. he's just a slab i mean i don't know how big I'm, i kind of measured him on my rod and i still haven't had a tape measure to figure it out but i mean this fish was this fish was every bit of 22 inches man so Hey, dude, that's cool. Blue oh, cheeks? Yes, dude. Yeah. I mean, just, and, and like the fish was so strong that even after fighting it 10 minutes, man, I just like, when I got ready to let it go, it was like mad about it, you know? So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So I was, I was super stoked, man. And after that, I was like, all right, I just want to try a couple more pulls real quick. And I, I went down the stream like 10 yards, hung up on the opposite side of the string and broke my dry dropper off. And I was like, okay, let's go. I'm fine. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, we went and we camped out at a really cool campground cracks campground and it was like awesome views saw a bunch of deer there which i don't know what kind of deer those are exactly um i need to do more research on that but i've been driving a lot where are you at uh eastern california uh just like basically just east of yosemite uh i mean it like over the mountain i think is yosemite where we could see so i think that's gonna just be a mule deer i think yeah i don't i don't know for sure but well we we um so we camped there. It was super cold the next morning. I caught a little brown out of the river next to the uh, next to the campground there, and then we uh, we took off. And I was unable to get my Lahontan cutthroat on this trip, um, and I really was hoping to do that because we passed through a lot of that country. But uh, yeah, it's just man, when you go on a trip like this, you're 
you got to be dad still or, or husband, whatever you might be, I guess, you know, yeah, you sure. can't just be selfish the whole time. And, and honestly, like I've been, uh, the national parks have been so cool. It doesn't bother me. You know, uh, I'm not yeah. shopping and stuff like that, you know, so that's fine. Um, so it's been, it's been awesome. I haven't fished a whole lot. We went from there to Redding, California and had, uh, um, my plans from there were to try to catch one of the McLeod red band trout, um, up north of Redding in their native, like upper McLeod ranges, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, went to the fly shop there in Redding and that's what it's called. And it was pretty good, man. It was, it was a cool place. Uh, had a friendly fellow from Austin, Texas there, or had spent some time touring in a band in Austin and, yeah. uh, talked to him for a while. And then, uh, got some info, uh, and some really cheap flies and they sent me to, um, Ted Faye's fly shop north of there. And, uh, what was it? Dunsmuir, I think is what it's called. And, uh, Bob at Ted Faye's, which I think Ted Faye has passed on, uh, and Bob is his buddy was, uh, gave me some really good information on where to catch the McLeod red band. Um, which man, I'll tell you what, finding, um, guys in fly shops that actually care about like native and wild trout is pretty difficult yeah yeah everybody wants to yeah man you float this section there's some big browns down there you know like it's just you know they just brought it up and it's like man i kind of just want to go have a peaceful place yeah it is man it's it's kind of like uh if you were to walk in and uh, it's it's different in a lot of ways too but like you know you walk in somewhere at lake fork and they're going to tell you where you can catch bass big bass you know and that's what mm-hmm. these fly guys want to do they want to show you where you catch big fish or lots of them or whatever and i'm yeah. like man i want to catch a tiny six inch trout in a really remote place you know what i mean yeah so that's just weird too i know i understand it but like you would think there would be some experts in there that have like caught that bug at some point i'm just Bob at Ted Faye's was like the closest thing to that I've ever found. <laughs> and he was like, this was one of Ted's favorite places to go. It's called Trout Creek. And, uh, oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. So I went up there and I ended up catching, uh, I think the biggest, biggest one I caught was six inches and I caught like five red bands and, uh, cool. they were so cool, man. And that, that did, river was cool too. Do they really look that much different than like what we know as a stock rainbow? It looks, it looks like a wild, uh, rainbow fingerling you know what i mean so like a bunch of par markings on it yes yeah but i think i think if like there's two different like main strains like there's like a colombian and like a base great basin strain of of red bands i think yeah and like they get big in the bigger rivers and they look Mm -hmm. really really cool you know i mean they they definitely look like the coolest rainbow you've ever seen kind of well so uh compare those to the Smoky Mountain rainbows. They look a lot like that. Yeah, very similar. Um, yeah. And I can't, it's been a long time since I caught a rainbow in, a, in the Smokies, but um, I mean, they do have like that red band is mm-hmm. like so pronounced. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that it's like in those little fish. Any, I don't know if it's different than the rainbows or not, but it's like a very like hardcore streak through the middle of them of yeah. red. So pretty cool, man. I was, I was, cool. I was really excited to get that one. Um, and then from there we went to Redwoods and which Redwoods is national park is right on the Pacific. So like from there, it's been pretty similar experience, but like, I I can't tell you how cool the campground was. We stayed in, uh, near Redwoods there. It was like, uh, I think it was called Mill Creek. Uh, it was in, there's all like state park and national park, like intermittent there. And 
if you've never seen the redwoods, I've never seen the sequoias, but the redwoods are just apparently the sequoias are bigger but not as tall. But okay. the the redwoods are outrageous, dude. I, I mean, we did this one little half mile trail this guy at the visitor center told us to do and just walked it or whatever and we spent like two hours in there walking and taking pictures and looking and oh it was so cool dude like when they fall you know like you can get up on these like stacks of them and you're just way up in the air on top of redwood trees laid over and stuff and uh, you you i can't i just i'll never be able to explain or show you enough pictures to actually show you how big they are like you just have to go see it in feet like how big is the redwood tree well the biggest one i think ever was like 380 and i mean So, a lot there's a lot of trees there that are a football field. You know what I mean? Yeah. Up. So and, and just That's like nuts. around, I don't know, like the diameter, but twelve, fourteen feet in diameter, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just outrageous, dude. So cool and just like peaceful and quiet, and the weather was the best, man. Like, it wasn't wet and rainy. It was, um, it was you know like room temperature. It was just so nice, man. Yeah. And then we stayed in a that campground that night and there was just there was sites everywhere and they're packed in there but because of all the big redwood stumps in there from where i guess they had forested it before like mm-hmm. it was like it literally you just thought gnomes were going to jump out at any time dude and like just hang out with you it was freaking weird <laughs> it was weird and cool at the same time like yeah. little tiny campsites that were built up on these staircases into these fern like groves and you'd see a tent like back in there somewhere and it was so cool, man. So, and I ended up catching a trout there, which I don't know what it was. Oh, really? They've got coastals in there, uh, but it didn't have any cuts on it, so I don't know. Yeah, don't know what it was. But anyway, yeah, we've we did that a couple of days ago. Met Chris and Jamie up there, and uh, seen a ton of Pacific uh, Highway. We did the 101 Scenic Highway all the way up the yeah. coast here to Oregon, uh, like Central Northern Oregon, where we're at. Cool. And we've seen seals, sea lions, and gray whales. I saw a gray whale oh, yesterday. A bunch of that's them. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, they're pretty Man. far off. I've got some pictures, though, with my big lens. And you yeah. can definitely tell it's like whale tails and like them shooting spray up and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty awesome, man. So I'm, I'm excited. From here, we go to the Olympic Peninsula um, and Seattle area, Olympic Peninsula. And then we're going to head uh, from, from there. Uh, out i'm actually flying in for a uh, to play a show out of seattle and flying back to spokane and we're gonna meet there spend some time in idaho and then head home pretty much uh pretty quick there because i got another show the next week so all right lots well. of moving around hopefully we can get rested up here we're with my parents right now they've got they they uh <clears throat> met us up here and we plan to meet them i guess on these days um and they've got a beach house, and that's that's actually where we saw the gray whales from. So that's cool. But dude, I mean, I could go on and on about all the cool things and the cool rocks here on the Pacific and everything that we've seen. Uh, yeah. But the the main, I mean, the main thing is just people that are listening need to go do this. I mean, yeah. And it, and it may be something you do over a whole lifetime. Like you don't have to do it twenty eight day trip, you know. But like, go see, start seeing some of these places, man. I mean, you can get cheap flights and go you know rent cars and for a few hundred bucks you can see some of the most incredible things in the world man yeah well it's kind of a new take on the whole idea of the land of opportunity yeah you know like it's it's not so much about the american dream side of opportunity but the opportunity to go and do cool things like we all have it oh it is man and like we're so connected 
and it's and it's at our detriment sometimes but we're also still so connected that like you can go and still take care of things business wise while you go do this stuff sometimes you know you, if you yeah. plan it correctly so it's taking a lot of planning to get this thing done right you know and and uh my wife did most of it so kudos to her but yeah man, it's go. been it's been a lot of fun man so yeah, i hate that's to cool. uh, hate to one-up you with my story there i know you haven't had a bunch of stuff going on yet uh, but you guys are going no. pretty soon aren't you yeah not worried about the one up and dude. Don't worry, I'm going to kill more stuff than you this year, so <laughs> it's going to be fine. Well, <laughs> we'll see about that because I just got another tag notification. Oh, did you really? <laughs> I did. Oh, we going goodness. to Iowa, bro? Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> oh my gosh! Yep. We have to go just talk to Tony Peterson again just to get fired up all over again. Yeah, about that's it. it. Yeah, I, uh, that's cool. I saw that come in the other day. They're like successful. I'm like. Hadn't seen that since 2011, I don't think. <laughs> very nice, very nice. So, it's good. Yeah. Uh, no, it's cool, man. I mean, um, yeah, not a lot going on here. I put a new honey super on my beehive, but yeah. that's about it. Um, but I just, ever since I like, saw this like little snippet of pictures from the Gila and saw that y'all went and did that, I was like, oh, I cannot wait yeah. to go spend some time there. And you know, just get to, uh, and like you were saying, Cassie and I are going to get to uh, go on a trip. We're going to just kind of concentrate on the state of Colorado, which is kind of a place that we love to go together. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fun. Going to do some fishing and some uh, hiking, and Cassie's going to do her, her first uh, overnight backpack trip. So that should be Sweet. cool. Sweet. Uh, hopefully, that's cool. We'll see. Do you have a tent? Um, I don't, but I'm probably going to get one soon. Cool. Um, so, uh, well, I'm actually going past in probably the next week or so, going past one of our future backcountry episode guests. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, his, uh, little place there, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. where they're, they're building tents. So I think that's probably, uh, which one I'm going to go with. Yeah. So. That was a great yeah. suggestion by one of our guests. And so yeah. we're, uh, I'm excited about it. I'm going to go see what they got to offer. We've already talked to him a lot and I yeah. think it looks good, man. It's a good price and good functionality so yeah for show sure. for show sure, man um, and speaking of the backcountry podcast yeah um the first episode that we launched was the one with trent fisher born and raised outdoors uh trent thought that our questions were good enough that we could actually be on uh their podcast so <laughs> that's cool pretty cool thing uh that uh we talked about a little bit beforehand but uh we actually did, I guess you would call that a simulcast mm-hmm. where, um, Trent took that episode and put it, actually put it on the born and raised outdoors audio experience is what they call theirs. So, uh, go listen to that. Go listen to some of the other stuff they put on there too. A lot of, um, a lot more, they do two things. I've, I've listened to it some and, and they do two things really well. Uh, they kind of do some storytelling about elk hunts and stuff. And then they also kind of really break down some technical things that they do. So if you're trying to learn about like how to do the elk hunting thing, listen to our backcountry series, but then go listen to some of the stuff they're doing. So because Born and Raised is putting together some really good stuff over there, and uh, I feel kind of honored and privileged that uh, he thought that our our show was worthy to put on there. So yeah, very cool. Me too, man. I yeah, I just found out about this morning. You let me know on that, and I've yeah. been out of the loop. You've been keeping up with everything pretty well, social and stuff. So I appreciate that, man. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty good little deal there, man. I mean, we uh, 
that was one of our favorite guests, man, that we've had so far. So it was a oh yeah, it was a fun time, man. Dude, honestly, like throughout this backcountry series, like we've talked to some really cool people, man. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that's one of the I don't know. You talk about it a lot. We've talked about it a lot. I enjoy talking to whitetail guys because they're a lot of them are tacticians and they're really serious about what they do and you can learn a ton. But it seems to me that uh, there's more personality kind of in that Western side of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of guys who really still like enjoy hunting as, in groups and laughing a lot. Not to say there's not that in the white world either, but like, I don't know. It just seems like yeah. through this back country's mini series, we've got to really talk to some cool folks and mm-hmm. I'm glad that, that we did it. Yeah. So, me too, uh, man. more cool stuff coming up with that. We'll have another one of those episodes coming this Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I don't even know who we're releasing this Tuesday. I don't so either. We'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll talk about that more yeah. a little bit. Hey, um, one thing you haven't talked much about, and I'm very surprised, <laughs> and maybe this is like upcoming, but you have not said one thing about good food that you've had on this trip. Yeah. And dude, food is a big deal, man. I know, dude. What have you been eating? We've been, uh, we've been just, uh, you know, we've done a lot of camping. Uh, we've tried to do this all pretty cheap. Uh, and so for, for me, that's like trying to manage my wife's expectations more than anything, which is not that difficult cause she's, she's pretty easy going, uh, and not picky or anything. So it's, mm-hmm. it's okay. Um, um, we've had, a, we've, you know, had some Taco Bell and some of that Ooh. kind of stuff here and there, mm-hmm. um, just randomly here and there. Um, we ate at an airport in Winslow, Arizona, um, at a Mexican food place there that was, uh. It was some parts of it were good and some parts of it were definitely different, you know. Um, yeah. But we've tried to stay away from Mexican since we left kind of the Southwest, and um, uh, we just really like we just got to my parents' uh, the house that they rented for a couple of days. Uh, we just got here last night, so today we're actually as soon as I get off of here, we're going to head to the docks and we might end up, my dad was wanting to do a charter trip, uh, cause there's really cheap charter trips for like King salmon right now. Uh, and you can go like crabbing for like three hours for 55 bucks, which, uh, if you get your limit, it's like 12, uh, Dungeness crabs, you know? And so for 55 bucks, that's a pretty good chunk of crab, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, That's I don't cool. know, uh, but we, we probably won't do the crabbing thing. We'll probably just pick up some fresh crabs to eat tonight and then, uh, yeah. uh, you know, probably do some salmon fishing tomorrow and maybe eat what we catch tomorrow uh, if we if we get to do that. Um, so if my dad, nice. my dad really wants to do that, so he's kind of probably talking about ponying up for, well, for us. I'm so. interested in that because you and I have talked about this. Like, it's pretty intriguing to think that you could go and go on like a meat haul kind of thing mm-hmm. like flying somewhere going on a fishing trip come back and it be worth the trip you yep. know what i mean yeah we have and talked about if, it if y'all can find like a fairly inexpensive charter that you can go and do that that's that's pretty intriguing yeah i know dude i'm i'm hoping that it turns out pretty good man i mean yeah um we'll see hopefully we'll see. it's not like 75 dollar day leases in lano texas <laughs> yeah. hopefully it's better than that well it's the pacific ocean so surely there's uh there's you know it's going to be hard for uh, these kind of guys to fish it out, you know, too much. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, as far as food goes, man, we've just been grilling burgers at night and stuff like that and doing uh, canned green beans and corn and uh, chicken and 
tomatoes and avocados and just kind of like that kind of stuff and putting it all yeah. together and eating some beans and stuff like that. So just kind of, yeah, it's, it's just a little bit of uh, forward thinking, I guess. And you pretty much can eat like you do at home. We've got a yeah. propane stove and I haven't even run through a full bottle of propane yet. So really? pretty, yeah, yeah. So pretty, uh, and I've been using the pocket rocket for like oatmeal in the morning and, um, uh, that kind of thing, I guess. So anyway, mm-hmm. been, it's been cool, good, man. man. Yeah. It's been not That's too good. bad. So, so I guess you're kind of, y'all are fixing to start the time when you get to really get into that good seafood stuff and yeah. have yep. some better meals. That's so. right. Dude. We're going to do sushi and all that kind of stuff. So Ooh, once we get I'm to Seattle, we're going to like fish markets and stuff, you know? Oh so, yeah. Uh, dude. going to be good. Ugh, so good. I know. That, I cannot wait. Dude. I got, uh, steamed clams and a halibut sandwich the last time I was in Oof. Seattle and it is hard to beat yeah, it's just the best <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna eat a sea anemone if you don't stop oh dude do it they're pretty good <laughs> are they <laughs> yeah you I didn't even know you could eat the them yeah you uh or no not anemones I'm sorry Urchin? I'm thinking about urchins yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I've we, sea uh, urchins We've we've seen we've seen a couple of urchins and anemones in the rocks, but we haven't really been into a really rocky like tide pool area yet. We're going yeah. to though. Cool. So anyway, cool. Been cool, man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's other than that, man. I'm just gonna have to fill you in on the rest of the trip. Sometime in the next couple of weeks, uh, we we um, don't have any like pre-recorded whitetail guests right now for like our regular programming. So. Who knows what next week is going to look like for us or the next week after. <laughs> so uh, just hang with yeah. us through the, through the next well, couple weeks. Next week is the 4th of July time period, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people traveling and stuff. And if you are traveling in that time, guys, be safe. Um, get out. Enjoy your freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll have something for you, something to talk about, maybe something reflective. Yep. yep. But uh, – Anyways, hopefully I'll have uh, caught a coastal cutthroat trout at that point. That's what I'm mm. looking to do next, and I yeah. have not Black been mouth. able to really try it yet. Uh, Blackmouth is definitely uh, probably the next thing after that. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, if I'm sitting there and the blackmouths are going crazy, like it's going to be on, you know. I think they like it's kind of like sand bass and hybrids. Yeah. Like one cast might be one, and the next cast be the next. Like I think they might run together a little bit. I got you. Yeah. At least that's kind of what I saw when I was up there. But who knows? That was just a little uh, snapshot of what actually happens. Yeah, so yeah. I do know that if you see the the dolphins and stuff, there probably won't be any fish around. I yeah. do know that. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a universal thing in the ocean, right? Yeah. It's like Man, a- redfish, whatever. If dolphins come through, you can hang it up. Ain't nothing biting for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um I look forward to the rest of the trip, but I also look forward to getting back. And that's going to be once you and I both are going to get back about the same day. And uh, once we do that, it's like game on, dude. It's like I know it's a uh, prepare, get some cameras out maybe for whitetails, and then also uh, really crack down and get our gear list and everything finalized yeah. for the Gila. For sure, I uh, actually put out a trail camera the Did other you? day, All right. and a, and a mineral rock. Dang, dude. I know, man. I'm just a straight-up land manager. Okay? <laughs> you are, dude. Just giving minerals. <laughs> just giving them yeah. minerals. Well, I, I thought, well, I'm going to try this and see what happens. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have high expectations for it, but, you know, you never know. It doesn't hurt to try. Um, but I am looking forward to getting some cams out on some public around here mm-hmm. because, 
man, I just feel like we've got some unfinished business and some big gear that I would really like to pick up. Dude, so you are not lying, uh, man. I've been thinking about I'm excited it. Excited about it. And yep. I need to uh, do some gear stuff too pretty soon. I gotta get. I gotta buy arrows this year, man. <laughs> Dang so it! I'm trying to figure out what to go with there. If you got any suggestions, y'all hit me up. I didn't. I shot the Axis last year and uh, liked their performance, but they broke a lot. Uh, if you got any suggestions on that, y'all hit me up. Let me know. Yep. Send us a message. KC will check yep. it out. I'll be trying to catch a cutthroat trout while y'all, y'all yeah, are talking about show. it. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, dude, sounds good. Uh, also, I guess last thing I would say here, um, this is something, a good point you brought up in our last episode, but, um, you know, we don't have any uh we don't have to run any commercials or sponsors right now um and you know we're getting to the point where like you know if we we can either do that and we can start to uh do that to help pay for our time doing this thing or you guys can just buy merchandise off our website and we can i mean like i said last week we know how many people listen to this thing if uh if we were just getting a dollar from everybody that listened to the thing we would be fine for a long time and i hate to do this like i don't want to sit here and ask for money but like uh, if you want, if you guys are a fan of like, you know, sponsor free type of stuff, which, um, you know, is a pretty cool thing in my opinion, when I'm a consumer, um, then, you know, buying some merchandise is definitely helpful for us. Um, helps us to keep that, like keep our spirits up while we do this so that we're not doing it for free. Um, because I know there's a lot of people out there that understand that when you, when you put a, bi- a big time investment into something like, you know, uh, you either hope that it gives you a lot of joy, which it does, or give us something, gives you, you know, some money or whatever. So that's kind of where we're at with this, I guess. So anyway, just go to the website, check it out. If you see something you like, or if you want to send us a message, you'd be like, hey, I would like it if y'all would do these kind of hats or something like that, then we'll definitely entertain that, that uh, message. So, and that thought. So anyway, I guess, uh, the last thing that I would say, man, um, in regards to all this is like through all these national park experiences that I've had and just seeing all this, this crazy cool stuff, these, this Oregon, like wilderness area and the ocean and everything like there, like there's still something else that you can kind of feel when you go and see these things. You know what I mean? Like something much bigger created like these big, huge trees, right? You know, in this yeah. big ocean, um, like you can for me at least i'm speaking personally when i see the redwoods i'm blown away i can't stop looking up and then at the same time like it's still not like i'm still not like fully satisfied you know what i mean like there's still something else that and and to me that's just like that thing is the creator you know what i mean like it's not necessarily like the creation is awesome no doubt i think it's awesome but like uh, I don't know. It's just this trip has kind of drawn me. Like the, I'm, I'm here in my element where I want to be on this earth, and I'm, st- and I'm just drawn more and more towards the creator of these th- beautiful things that I'm seeing. Seeing so, yeah. Just a kind of a thought that I've had lately, man. It's awesome stuff, dude. Yeah. And I don't know if, uh, you know, if, what if you're listening? I don't know what you believe, uh, and that's fine. But I would tell you that, man, everything else that we have that humans have made that's pretty cool has to have a designer. So if you look at what's out there and what we can't even fathom being able to create because we don't have the means, there has to be a designer to that too, right? right? That creation points to design and that's by the creator. So good points, man. I had that conversation, similar conversation with um, a surfer that I met yesterday at our campground. He's like, dude, he looks, he looks like he's our age, but he's 50. 
He's uh, he was actually married to a, a lady from Austin, and yeah. uh, they were there and they were just hiking and kind of seeing. They're heading up towards like same, you know, one hundred one up to Canada, basically. I think. Yeah. And um, he was like, he was real, real like that kind of California surfer kind of thing going on, like. Yeah, I just feel like there's, you know, there's definitely this connection with like something, you know, a creator above, and like, you know, if you're living in that man, like love is just universally this and that. Yeah, like it was like a real Whoa. kind of suffer <laughs> spiritual thing. But I think he like, but he definitely expressed that he believed in God and that, and I, and he said something about believing in Christ as well. And so yeah. um, anyway, we had a conversation. I was like, man, uh, we were just, I wasn't trying to get too. Uh, too into it with him uh about it but we um we ended up kind of going that way and i was like man you just can't deny like this stuff like this this thing that we're looking at right here just doesn't happen you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. this isn't created by seafoam you know what i mean yeah we're not anyways there's a creator so i I don't know it was just cool conversation that i got to have like at eight o'clock in the morning with this surfer dude from california you know yeah that's cool man anyway pretty cool but anyway um I have got to go meet my family. We're going to go try to find some seafood to eat, I think, for lunch. So Nice. Go get your sweat on, man. Make you some money, and it's all going to pay off here in September, man. Woo! I hope so, man. Can't <laughs> wait, dude. Well, uh, until we talk again, dude. Yep. I'll, uh, I'll keep you informed as much as possible without uh, spilling the beans on everything. <laughs> I'm going to release cool. pictures now, though, that I've told you all this stuff. Nice. So. I'm going to be uh, following the old Element Instagram page very closely. All right. That's good, man. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, for all you that are maybe traveling and uh, and coming up on 4th of July here and doing some traveling, and stay safe. And remember, this is your element. Living it. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.